Now, let me tell you what God has given us. He's given us three gateways. He's given us the eye gate, the things we look at. He's given us the ear gate, the things we hear. He's given us the mouth gate, the things we say. And I call them gateways is because they are doors that open up either blessing or cursing, good or bad, positive or negative. And guess what? Uh, God has put us in charge of them, whether we're going to turn our lives over to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit fill us and, and rule over what we look at, what we listen to, what we say, or we're going to let the flesh rule those three gates. Now, today I want to talk to you about um, the mouth gate in, in this way. Nobody talks to you more than you. You ever thought about that? Nobody talks to you more than you. Now, the most important voice we listen to is first God, but second, it's ourselves. Because nobody talks to you more than you. You don't listen to anybody more than you do listen to yourself. From the minute you get up in the morning till you go to bed at night, you're, you're conversing with you. Now, some of you talk out loud, some of you never do. I talk out loud a lot. You got to be careful how much you talk out loud because people may think you need a little phone call if you're talking too much. But sometimes Cindy will say to me, what, what'd you say? I say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just talking to myself because I, I do talk out loud to myself. But I want to talk to you today about what you say to yourself and how important it is what you say to you. Now, David fully understood this. And I'm going to read one verse. You know this verse. It's one of my favorites. I've quoted it many times uh, in my own life. Psalms 42, verse 5. David talks to himself. And he says, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Why are you all ruffled and, and uh, out of joint? And what's the matter with you? He's saying to himself. Then he says, hope in God, hope in God, for I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Amen? Amen. Now there's David talking to himself, and I want to just spring from this today and talk to you about how to encourage yourself, because you know, sometimes nobody's going to encourage you but you. Amen? So we need to know how to do it. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you today for the power of the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the wisdom of the word of God. And Lord, you have made us like you, three-part. And because of that, Lord, we have the ability to talk to ourselves, to reason, and to address ourselves and converse with ourselves. And Lord, we need to know how to do it right. And I'm asking you to now send your wisdom, send your spirit to open our ears that we might understand what we're going to share from the word today so that we're changed. Now, church, will you breathe a prayer and just say, Lord, help me to say right things to myself in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's okay to talk to yourself. Tell him it's okay. It's okay to talk to yourself. I just got to know, how many of you talk to yourselves out loud? How many of you do it in the car? How many of you do it in rush hour traffic? <laughs> well, I got a big one on that. All right. We won't ask what's said. Amen. 
Now, if you study your Bible, you'll notice that these same words are repeated three times. Uh, Another time in Psalms 42, so twice in Psalms 42, and then once in Psalms 43, so that really Psalms 42 and 43 could have been put together into one psalm. It almost would have made more sense because the theme is the same. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Now, let me give you a little background to the psalm. David is struggling with negative emotions. So he pens this psalm um, and to turn it over to the sons of Korah to put music to it. You'll notice if you, in the little heading in your Bible, it probably attributes the psalm to the sons of Korah. Uh, They didn't write it. It's Davidic. That is, David wrote it, but he turned it over to the sons of Korah. And the sons of Korah were a group of musicians uh, appointed by David that really led worship, and they were over the music ministry, if you will, in the Old Testament sanctuary. Now, it's interesting, the sons of Korah, because their great-great-great-granddaddy, Korah, was the man with two other guys, Dathan and Abiram, who decided to rebel against Moses. And you remember what happened. It didn't go well for them. They came against Moses and Aaron. Moses said, let's have a, let's have a meeting with God in the morning. They came together and Moses simply prayed, God, if you're with me, show them. The ground opened up and swallowed Korah, Dathan, and Abiram and closed up over them. So that was a really bad day at the office for those three. Now, it says in the Bible that God did not take out Korah's children. They were allowed to live because they were not required to pay for daddy's sin. So the bottom line is the descendants of this rebel, Korah, God redeemed and caused them to become worship leaders in the house of God in David's day. So I want everybody to say with me, I'm not a victim of what my ancestors did. Amen? Say that with me. I'm not a victim of what my ancestors did. See, they said, hey, you know, my great, great, great granddaddy went into rebellion. Not me. I'm going to praise God. So David hands over the words of this psalm to the sons of Korah, and they put music to it. Now, he wrote it probably during the time he was fleeing from his own son, Absalom. Absalom had for years been stirring up uh, um, unhappiness with David unhappiness with his rule. He had been turning the people to himself and he was setting up a mutiny. And you know the story, Absalom uh, rebelled against David, took half the kingdom with him and David had to flee from the kingdom, flee into the woods for his very life. It was a very, very dark hour for David and that's likely when he wrote this psalm. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God hope in God. Things look bad, but hope in God, for I will yet praise him, the help of my countenance. So he's hiding in the wilderness. The the psalm is very autobiographical. He's hiding in the wilderness. He's sorely missing his regular times of worship in the sanctuary. If you read the whole psalm, he talks about longing for God, thirsting for God, missing God, And what he's really saying is, I miss going into the house of God with the people of God and worshiping God with them. 
I'm missing church, we would say. He said, I'm missing my, my weekly Sabbath time in the house of God. I want to go with the people of God to the house of God and worship God, but he's hiding in the wilderness so he can't. So he's, he's hurting. He's missing all of that. He's missing his spiritual habits and his spiritual cycle, the, the cycle of his life spiritually. His emotions have collapsed in the Psalm. Sleep has left him. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. I'm crying all day long. I'm crying all night long. I'm not sleeping at night. I'm crying. I'm soaking my pillow in tears. And due to all that was happening to him, David spirals into the blues. And can you blame him? That is, I can surely understand. So he's cast down within himself. That means bowed down. The weight on him has bowed his shoulders, bowed him down. He's cast down on the inside. And he's discouraged, and he's feeling defeated, and he's disquieted. He has no peace in his soul. Maybe you feel that way today. The circumstances of your life have been such that today you feel cast down. You feel disquieted. You're wondering, when is this going to change? When is God going to move? When am I going to be delivered? When is God going to answer me? When is God going to move on my situation? If that's you, hang on. I've got a good word for you today. Amen. Now, what we're about to see is that David knew something. David knew how to do something that I want all of us to know how to do today. David knew how to talk to himself. David understood the power of talking to himself. He, he decides when he's down in the mully grubs, he's, he's really depressed, but he says, I'm not going to stay here. I want everybody to say with me, I'm not going to stay here. He said, I'm not going to stay here because when you allow yourself to spiral down and stay there, it's not a good thing. You may spiral down, but you need to always say to yourself, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to build a house here. This is not the way I'm going to live. This is going to change. I serve a mighty God. I don't have to live this way. I'm, I'm going to pull myself out. So he says, he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to myself. Now, we see that he does three things in talking to himself. And I want you to say them with me. He confronts himself. He encourages himself. And we're going to see he prophesies to himself. Let's try it again. He confronts himself. He encourages himself. And he prophesies to himself. Now, before looking at this, I want to tell you how important it is what you say to yourself, because some of you, you're talking to yourself right now, whether or not you like what I'm doing here, whether or not you're wishing you'd stayed home, or whether you're glad you came to church, you've already talked to yourself all the way to church. I want to talk to you about how important it is what you say to yourself, what you allow yourself to say to yourself. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Can I say that again? Nobody is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. You're not even aware of it, but we're conversing with ourselves all the time because God made us like him. He's three-part. So you see God addressing himself in the Bible all the time. And he gave us the ability, a dog can't do that. A dog can't say, well, what, what do you think about what he fed you today? 
A dog can't say, well, I wish that he'd take me for a walk. And, you know, it's been weeks since he took me for a walk. And I'm thinking about just approaching him with how long it's been since he took me for a walk. No, they don't think that way at all. Everything is instinct. But God made us three part, body, soul, and spirit. So we alone in God's creation have the ability to talk to ourselves. From the moment we get up in the morning, the time we go to bed at night, we're conversing with ourselves. And guess what? Even in your dreams, your dreams are a way of you talking to you. The things you say to you about you, about God, and about other people, and about your circumstances are so important because they decide the way you respond to life and adversity. It's so important what you say to you about you, who you let define you, who you let tell you who you are. I learned a long time ago, nobody's defining me but God. I'm not letting anybody define me. Have you ever noticed people are always wanting to define you? You're this, you're that, you're not this, you're not that. You need to this, you need to that. If you would only this, if you would only that. This is what I see for you. This is what I don't see for you. You have this talent. You don't have any talent. They tell you things that may or may not come from God. And our culture is always wanting to define us as Christians. Listen, I got to be in the word of God every day because the culture is so, so intent on defining me as a Christian. You shouldn't speak up. You shouldn't take a stand for God. You shouldn't call wrong, wrong, and right, right. You shouldn't this, you shouldn't that. And I resist that. I'm going to let God define me. God is my definer. God defines me. Come on, everybody. God defines me. When Jesus, when Jesus called people, he immediately always defined them. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, what do you mean by that? I've always been a fisher of fish my whole life. Jesus said, yeah, but now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. That's who you are. See, Jesus doesn't see us the way we see us. We look at us in the mirror and we see according to whatever we've allowed to define us. But he looks at us and sees what he's going to make us to be. And all day long... We're talking to ourselves about ourselves. You can do this. You can't do this. You can succeed. You can't succeed. You are gifted. You're not gifted. You are a genuine Christian. You're not really saved. There's always something trying to define us. So it's important that the things you say to you about you, about God, about other people, and about the circumstances of life, are so crucial because they, they decide how you're going to handle life. In trying times, you can talk yourself into depression, despair, hopelessness, um, hopelessness unbelief, defeat. You can talk yourself into, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to get through this. I don't have what it takes, blah, 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 blah. And you can talk yourself into a hole. Or you can talk yourself into encouragement, which David understood how to do. You can talk yourself into hope. You can talk yourself into victory. In the midst of highly stressful circumstances, David decided to talk himself out of the blues and into victory. So how'd he do it? He did it the same way we got to do it. Here's how he did it. First, he confronted himself. 
Why are you cast down, O my soul? Who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. He's talking to himself. He's addressing himself. He's confronting himself. He's confronting his emotions. He's not just letting them run wild. To him, truth was not what his emotions told him. Truth was what God said to him. So why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? He's talking to himself. I don't know if he was saying it out loud. I don't know if he was saying it just to himself, but he was talking to himself. Negative thoughts were flooding his soul, and he caught himself listening to them, entertaining them, agreeing with them, and suddenly he realizes what's going on, and he says, hey, stop it. Why are you disquieted, O my soul? Why, why are you troubled? Why are you so upset? Suddenly he realizes what's happening and he confronts himself, which only human beings can do. Only you can confront yourself. Now I can confront you or somebody else that loves you can confront you. But what I want us to understand today is we are supposed to confront ourselves when our emotions are going south and our thinking is going down instead of up. We are supposed to confront ourselves. David said, what are you doing? He's saying, soul, why are you so down? You're acting like you have no God, like he doesn't know or care. What's up with you? What's wrong with you, soul? What are you doing? Hadn't God been good to you? Hadn't he helped you before? That's what he's saying to himself. He said, hadn't he come through for you over and over again? Why, O oh soul, would you be disquieted, unsettled, and uncertain? Why have you lost your peace? God's a mighty God. He's faithful. You need to trust him. You need to get it together, O oh soul of mine. I am putting a stop to this stinking thinking right now. Come on, everybody. Come on. Everybody say, talk to yourself. You're going to talk to yourself anyway, so you might as well talk right. Sometimes there's an old song, and I hate to say it because some of you are going to go, wow, Jeff, that really dates you, but it went like this. I just stepped in to see what condition my condition was in. How many of you remember that one? Oh, hallelujah. Now, now that's an old song, but that's true. Because see, sometimes we do need to step in to see what condition our condition is in. And if we're not thinking what God wants us to think, if we are building a case against ourselves on the inside, we need to confront ourselves and say, see, you can build a case against yourself. You can build a case against your future. You can build a case against God's call on you. And, and if you're doing that, you need to step in to see what condition your condition is in and say, wait a minute, what are you doing, soul of mine? Stop it. He's faithful, trust him. Most of us never stop to think of confronting ourselves, of talking straight to our own soul, of literally facing down our thoughts and saying to ourselves, what's up with you? Why are you thinking this way? It's not as bad as it looks. These are not God's words to you. This is not the Bible. This is flesh. This is the enemy. This is not God thoughts. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about just looking in the mirror and having a pep talk with yourself. Hey, you got it going on. You can do it. There is none like you. I'm not saying that. 
The Bible says, be careful how you think because thoughts have consequences. Paul the Apostle wrote about the inner conversations that we have with ourselves. And he said this. He said, listen, let's talk about the inside of you. He said, fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine, good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Think on these things. Everybody say, think on these things. Fix your thoughts. Our thoughts are not supposed to run away with us. They're supposed to be under the control of the Holy Ghost. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there's any virtue to it, any praise to it, fix your thoughts on that. Why? Because because our thoughts are where our inner conversations come from. In his book on spiritual depression, I pulled this quote, it was so good. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes this, you have to talk, you have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why are you cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must exhort yourself instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. You got to talk to yourself. I have to do it all the time. I have to talk to myself all the time. That's why I get in the word every day. You know why? Because every day in the morning, the word sets my thoughts in the way they should go. The word every day sets my thoughts. It's like I'm, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm setting a GPS towards heaven. Get me to heaven. Let me enjoy the presence of God today. And the way I do that is first and foremost, I wash my brain in the thoughts of God. What is the Bible? It's the thoughts of God. What is the Bible? It's God talk. What is the Bible? It's God's view of things. What is the Bible? It's it's literally God's mind in a book comprised of 66 other little books. It's the thoughts of God. And I want to think like God because if I think like God, I'm going to walk like God, talk like God, develop his character. As a man thinks in his heart, so will he be. So David said, soul, stop it. What are you doing? You're going south. Stop it. The second thing he does is he encourages himself. He commands his soul, three words, hope in God. Soul, hope in God. I want us to say it together, can we? Three simple words, hope in God. Because that's where your hope is. It's in God. He says, so quit thinking this way. I'm confronting you. I'm stopping this, this track of thinking. And I want you to instead start hoping in God. Start thinking about God. Don't hope in men. Don't hope in fate. Don't hope in circumstances. Don't even hope in your own strength. Put your hope in God People can fail you, but God will never fail you. Circumstances may go crazy, but God will never go crazy on you. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. David writes about this all the time, about hope being in God. David wrote, give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. 
Through God we will do valiantly, for it is he who will tread down our enemies. And listen to some more Psalms. I just had to quote these. They're so good. Psalms 31, verse 24, be strong and let your heart take courage. All you who what? Read it with me. Hope in the Lord. Psalm 62, verse 5, my soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. Psalm 71, 14, as for me, I will hope once a year. Is that what it says? I will hope from time to time. Is that what it says? No, he says, as for me, read it with me. I will hope continually and will praise you more and more. Notice as he continues hoping, his praise level rises. As he keeps on hoping in God, his praise level rises. Hope keeps you afloat. There were once two identical twins. They were alike in every way but one. One was a hope-filled optimist who only saw the bright side of life. The other was a dark pessimist who only saw the downside of everything. Some of you know somebody like that. The parents were so worried about the two extreme dispositions of optimism and pessimism, they took them to the doctor And he suggested a plan. He said, here's what you do. On their next birthday, give the pessimist a shiny new bike, but give the optimist a pile of manure. It seemed a fairly extreme thing to do, but after all, the parents had always treated the boys equally. But in this instance, they had decided to try the doctor's advice. So when the twins' birthday came around, they gave the pessimist the most expensive, beautiful, shiny, top-of-the-range racing bike a child has ever had. He took one look at it, and he said, no doubt about it, I'll probably crash and break my leg. To the optimist, they gave a carefully wrapped box of manure. He opened it, looked puzzled for a moment, then ran outside screaming, you can't fool me. Where there's this much manure, there's a pony out here somewhere. Everybody say, there's a pony in here somewhere. In every problem you go through, it may, it may look like manure, But I'm telling you, there's a pony in there somewhere because if God before you, who can be against you? And God is working all things together for the good to those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. So God makes sure there's a pony that comes out of every mess. Everybody say hope. So David confronted himself. He encouraged himself. And finally, he prophesied to himself. This is so important. He said, I will yet, everybody say yet, for I will yet, I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. I love the word yet because yet is a hopeful word because it means today doesn't tell the whole story. Today is not the end of the book. When you say yet, you're saying it may look bad today, but it's not going to stay bad like today because I will yet, God's going to yet break through. God's going to yet answer me. It means that things can change on a dime when God is at work. Now, it's so important that we prophesy to ourselves because, listen, if you don't prophesy to yourself, something else will. I believe the devil loves to prophesy to God's people. He loves to say to you, uh, you're not going to make it. You're not really saved. 
You're going to fail. You're going to get sick. You're going to lose your job. Something bad is going to happen to you. And the devil will get into our minds and he'll prophesy to us. And if we're not careful and catch it and turn it and rebuke it, and reject it, he, his prophecy will succeed. We'll be walking around heavy all day long. What's wrong? Oh, I'm so afraid I'm going to get sick. Or there's been a lot of people at church getting pink slips. I just think I'm next. Listen, there comes a time where you've got to reject the devil's prophecies over your life. You've got to reject the devil's prophecies over your life. He's a liar. How do you know the devil's lying? If he's talking, if he's talking, he's lying, but he does talk. And he likes to get us under the weight of something that we fear is going to happen, that he has prophesied over us that is not even true. And that's why we need to prophesy the promises of God over ourselves. Listen, David said, yeah, it looks bad. It looks bad for me right now. But you know what? I believe I'm going to yet praise him. He's prophesying now. I will, I will, not maybe, not might, not hope so, not perhaps so. He said, I will yet have cause to praise him. It may look bad today in David's case. His own son was seeking his life. He lost his kingdom, and he didn't even know at this time if he was going to ever get it back. Half his people had turned against him and walked out on him and rejected him and believed a liar. He's running for his life like a fugitive. His circumstances could hardly be worse. And that's when he prophesies to himself, I shall yet Praise him for his help. Come on, everybody, let's say it together. I shall yet. Say with me, it may look bad now, but I shall yet. Praise him for his help. David tells himself, David, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. God's not going to leave me like this. I serve the God of breakthrough, the same God who carried Israel across the mighty sea, the same God who saved Daniel in the lion's den, the same God who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the burning fiery oven. That God is my God. So I know I will yet praise him. Come on, church. Amen, amen. I can almost hear him thinking, any moment now, he's going to show up. I may not know how or when, but I know he's coming. I know I'm his child. I know he's in control. I know he's greater than my problems. I know that he that began a good work in me is going to finish it to the day of Jesus Christ. And he prophesied to himself that God was going to act on his behalf. Is that what you're doing today? Are you telling yourself when you can't pay the bills, or maybe you did lose your job, or somebody walked out on you and you don't know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Can I tell you, you will yet praise him. You will yet praise him. Come on church, give him praise today. In a dark hour of inner struggle, David confronted himself. He encouraged himself. And he prophesied to himself. And you know, we know that God undertook for him. Because shortly, the Lord won the battle. David was restored to his kingdom. 
And what looked like an impossibly dark future was changed on a dime by the move of God. Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that he's for you? Do you believe that he's on your side? Can I tell you who he is? Because he's on Jesus' side and Jesus lives in you. And everything he does for us, he does for Jesus who lives inside of us. And if God be for us, there is no one, no devil, no circumstance that can be against us and win because we're in a win-win because of the God who has decreed he's going to get us to the other side because of Jesus. Amen. Can we stand together today? I want to encourage some of you, I don't know where you're at. How many of you can say today, Jeff, I really needed this because I'm in a tough place. I'm in a tough place and my thoughts have been going sideways and I need to confront myself. Let me see your hand. I need to confront myself. Yeah. And how many of you need to encourage yourself? Amen. And what about prophesying to yourself? What about prophesying the word of God to yourself? Amen. I did that this morning. When the alarm went off at six, I had a talk with myself. It can't be. But it was. And then I had another talk with myself. I have to be there. I'm the preacher. No. I had another talk with myself. It's going to be a great day. And I got up and I looked at what I was uh, preaching today. I looked at the word of God and I began to think, all right, I'm going to do this standing here right now in my bedroom with my two dogs looking on. Cindy was already getting ready. Um, I began to talk to myself. It's the 4th of July weekend. going to be a lot of people gone, but you know what? God's going to move in a way that is special. He's going to pull out some surprises. We're going to have a great day at church. It's going to be a powerful time in the house of God. And I'm going to be up for it and ready for it. And I'm ready. To, and we're going to leave rejoicing, carrying our harvest with us. And I began to talk to myself. I began to talk to myself. And I began to prophesy to myself the word of God. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Whatever you sow, you shall also reap. You are going to come out on the other side. God is for you. God is working for you. And I began to talk to myself. Sometimes there ain't anybody else around that's going to do it for you. You've got to do it. So let's just go to the Lord. Father, we just thank you for this powerful psalm. How David talked himself out of the blues. How David addressed himself. And Lord, we thank you for teaching us to confront thoughts that are going south. How how to encourage ourselves to hope in the God who acts on our behalf. How to prophesy over ourselves. And not receive the prophecies of the enemy or flesh but to prophesy over ourselves. That you have good thoughts towards us, thoughts of a future and a hope. And Lord, we just thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, if you particularly needed this today, 
and you're going to do it as soon as you leave today, I want you to raise your hand because we're going to do it together right now. Just raise your hand if you really needed this today. Amen. Just about everybody. Now, I want us to say together, why are you disquieted? Oh, my soul. Why are you upset? Why have you lost your peace? Hope in God. Put your hope in God. For he is going to turn it. He is with you. He is ordering your future. He's preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's going to be good. I'm going to reap a harvest. I'm going to fulfill God's call. I'm going to shake this world for Jesus Christ. I'm going to grow up into Jesus in all things. Faithful is he that calls me who also will do it. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And every tongue that rises against me, human or devil, I will condemn. For this is my heritage as a child of God. Now give God praise today.